Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Van Life Podcast. My name is Forrest Stevens. I'm your host. And today I'm talking with Amanda from Tideline to Alpine. And she has lived in a van for over eight years. So she has some amazing stories from her experience on the road. And her van is also very minimally built out and has been for that entire time. Now she's starting to pursue a little bit more video work. So she's doing some upgrades to her van as far as power goes. But Prior to that, I mean, she lived without a real battery bank, um, running, no running water, just very, very basic. And there's reasons for that. And her reason for getting into van life in the first place is extremely interesting. So you will enjoy this because there's this very insightful uh, van life podcast. Um, and I think, you know, just the years of experience that she's had, it comes through with what she talks about. So. Hope you all enjoy this episode. And before we get going, I just wanted to let everybody know who doesn't know already, I am doing some van life coaching. So if you are interested in getting to van life, doing a van build of any kind, I can walk you through so that you can save some time by not having to do as much research and you can save some money by not making costly mistakes. So there's a link in the description for my van life coaching. The first month is free. So there's really no risk involved in joining this community. I can help you uh, go through the build process and then also beyond as well. So into your van life experience to just make your whole experience easier. So thanks for checking that out and uh, hope to see you in that uh, van life enthusiast community. And let's just jump into this podcast. Thanks everyone once again and hope you enjoy. My name is Amanda and I go by Tideline to Alpine across the internet. Uh, I have been a full-time van dweller for more than eight years. And yeah, I don't know. What more can you say? <laughs> I feel like there's so much about me. It's just not worth saying. <laughs> well, let's get a little more specific. So eight years already, that's that's quite a feat. Yeah, I'm just curious about sort of your experience with van life. Like how has it been over the last eight years living in, uh, I imagine, different vans at different points? Yeah, so I'm in my third van now, which I've been in for more than five years. It's the same one that you did the tour of, but it looks quite different now. Um, and I was actually looking at Google trends of the term van life today. And there's like this flat line since like the start of the Google trends history. And there's like this point where I moved into a van and like a little while later, it just kind of skyrocketed. So it has changed quite a bit from something that you kind of look down on for doing and like, you're assumed to be like poor and dirty and all this stuff, which is totally true about me. And I have no problem with that. But now people assume that you're like some rich trans trust fund entitled little like brat, which I don't want anyone thinking that about me because it couldn't be further from the truth. So yeah, the public perception is totally different. And this idea, like, I wish I could afford it. You're like, I can't afford anything else. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's get into that. Is is that, that's like sort of your story a little bit? Like, um, you know, why, why did you move into a van to begin with? And, and how did your life get to um, this point where you're living in a van for eight years? Well, before I was living in the van, I was living in Squamish, which is actually where I am right now. And the housing market was really starting to boom and everywhere I'd move into would go for sale and have to move. And every time I'd have to move, I'd have to pay more rent. And I moved here to play outside. And every time I'd have to move, it would require me to work more and play less. And at the same time, I was going through a lot of personal stuff. So my mental health was in a really bad place. My physical health wasn't doing well. And then I ended up with a really, really horrible roommate. And I realized like, I cannot do well in life having these like like being forced to have horrible roommates or a boyfriend to afford rent. And I wanted to just look after myself and I didn't want to be working to pay somebody else's second mortgage. So it all kind of just like came to a head and I gave my notice and I, um, that my notice was for the end of December, 2013. And I was going to live in a tent and I was gifted my first van. Wow. Okay. So what was that first van you were gifted? The first van was a 1977 Dodge high top, like baby blue and white. It was super cute and like really nice transition into a van because I could stand up, but the engine seized. It had been sitting in driveways for a long time. <laughs> it 
So it looked cool, but it wasn't. <laughs> and so you mentioned there that, you know, you wanted to like essentially not have to work more to afford your, your same lifestyle. Um, what, what was it that you wanted to do? Like you, you said you wanted to play more. What, what is it that you wanted to do with your life? Oh uh, yeah. At the time I was really into rock climbing. So I was rock climbing a lot and I had, um, gotten a dog and so I had decided that I wouldn't work jobs unless he could come so that I, we could be together all the time. And he was quite a handful and needed like constant exercise. And I just wanted to live like a more simple life with nature and to be able to look after myself and to feel good about where I invest my time and energy. And I didn't feel good about investing time and energy into giving money to somebody who then goes and spends it in a way that I don't morally align with. And I can't control how somebody else spends the money they earn off of me or if they're exploiting me to make that money. I have no say in how they spend it. So the only way I can control the end point of my own energy is to not pass it along to people that will do whatever they want with it. Interesting. Okay. So you're you're sort of regaining your control by by just being conscious of where your money goes. Mm -hmm. and, and so that that's part of the reason that that this lifestyle appealed to you so was it was it i guess there's a lot of reasons there actually you you mm -hmm. can be with your dog but it's also it's also um the financial point of of living in a van was important to you then mm -hmm. yeah and i didn't i don't it doesn't really sit w well with me that the idea of property ownership or property ownership as a commodity i don't feel like housing should be a commodity and I felt like the fact that it is a commodity was exploiting my need to live and I wanted to have housing sovereignty. So the goal wasn't to live in a van. The goal was to not support that anymore. And I ended up living in a van and it works for me. And I mean, obviously it's been more than eight years and I still do it, even though I've had a pretty bare bones van life, like no power, no heat, no running water, no gray water tank, like water jugs and a camp stove. And so, yeah, it works for me. And I also never found the motivation to make enough money to get out of it because it works. <laughs> so you're pretty content then with, with your lifestyle currently living in a van and sort of being very minimal with, with the way that you are. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's perfect. There are times when I absolutely hate it. But those times are less than if I were living another way. Right. Yeah. So what what is your van actually like now? Because, yeah, like you said, I think when I did the tour with you, I'm not sure if you had much for power or anything like that. So I'm curious, has it has it progressed in, in any way, your van build? You said it's unrecognizable, but I, I know you painted it green. I'm not sure if it's just the paint that, that made it unrecognizable. It's mostly just the, the paint and the rack. Um, so I still don't have a power system. Um, I was always charging at cafes or from driving. And when everything happened two years ago, I wasn't driving or going to cafes. So I got a goal zero power bank and a fold out panel. And I would charge that at friends' houses or if there was sun, I would charge it. And I'm just right now acquiring the components to build an actual power system that will run off my alternator. So it's taken eight years, but soon I will have a battery. <laughs> soon you'll have what everybody builds their van out before they move into it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's really a testament to um, your ability to kind of go without as well. I feel like, like it's, is there some sort of resilience to that, that like, that's important to you to sort of be resilient like that and to sort of make it work. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge component. A lot of the comforts I do without has been an intentional thing to build mental fortitude. And I have a bit of a prepper mindset. And so I always kind of expected that in my lifetime, I would see the peak in a sense of our luxurious society and commod com like commodities so I figure the less I have, the more I'm okay with having less, the harder it is to lose so much that I then suffer because of it. So eight winters without heat, if I don't have, I have heat this winter, it was gifted to me, but eight winters without heat. Well, most people, when the power goes out and they don't have heat, they're pretty miserable. 
I have no problem with it. You know, so if my heater breaks or I can't afford diesel, it doesn't matter. I'll be fine. It won't, it won't affect my contentment. And so a lot of, um, I find that by choosing to have less comforts and less amenities sets you up for greater contentment in the long run. Right, right. Okay. So, you know, I, I wonder about your contentment now that things are changing, now that you're going to have a battery bank, you have a heater. Do you think that you're going to be sort of, do you worry about becoming complacent now that you're sort of acquiring these things? A little bit. Yes. Yeah. There's times where I'm really warm in my van and I know it's really cold out and it's a little harder to go outside in the cold than it was before when it was like, okay, well, I'm really cold. I should go outside and get moving and get warm. So there's that. And then there's also the component of like the power system's really expensive. So there's overcoming the fear of somebody stealing it. Whereas before I didn't really have anything to take. So I didn't have that. Like, I was like, nobody's going to take anything from me because I don't have anything, you know? And so when you put in a battery that's $1,800, it's like, well, if times get tougher and tighter and people are more stressed, they're more likely to like go for those items and stuff to like get themselves set up. So there's that, but, um, there's, a lot of comforts I could add to my van life. I have no intention of adding. Um, and there's always ways to challenge myself to just kind of always, um, always be learning how to do with a little less, I think. Quick little interruption from today's podcast. Just wanted to let everybody know that I'm doing a cross country road trip and I want to meet up with as many van dwellers as possible so that I can feature you on different media with a van tour. So if you're interested in featuring your van and telling your story, please reach out to me. The contact information is in the link in the description and I'll talk to you there. Now back to today's episode. Have you ever had somebody break into your van? No, I haven't. Well, that's pretty good then. A van is like a, you know, it's a mystery box. So people don't know what's in there. So you having a battery bank or not doesn't really necessarily like make somebody want to break into you into your van more right because they're not going to know so but when you have solar panels on top and your van's worth a hundred thousand dollars there's a pretty good guess that there's going to be some nice stuff inside especially when your social media is plastered on the outside and they can go to your channel or your feed and you know, see all your drones and computers and all your fancy camera equipment, they know what's in there. And that, that's exactly why some van lifers are targeted is because they've shared it all publicly. Fair point. That's a very, very, very fair point. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always very curious about like the types of people that get into van life. And um, I would love to hear a little bit more about who you are and maybe a little bit about your upbringing and if that had anything to do with you living in a van now? I grew up, most of my childhood was in on Vancouver Island in the Comox Valley. I was born in Northern BC, but my parents moved us to the island to have like a more wholesome, I guess, upbringing than like a rough logging town with like lots of drinking and like cold, hard winters. So I really appreciate that. But we grew up pretty low income. Um, my parents worked opposite shifts so that one was always with us and that we spent our time kind of entertaining ourselves like i'm of that generation that's come back at dinner time like go entertain yourself in the field it wasn't like they weren't spending money on like toys and entertainment and you know tablets and computers and like i had no interest in video games so it was just hang out outside and i think from early 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 age like maybe like three or something i had this poster in my room um and it was like two bears sharing a tricycle and it said simple pleasures life's treasures so like i was indoctrinated to this like from the beginning whether anyone realized what they were doing so you had the propaganda on your wall yeah grew up camping and hiking and like you know even that even though power was way cheaper back then like it was cold in the house in winter. My, you know, they'd say like, it's Canada, it's winter. You don't get to wear a t-shirt inside. Like I, we bought you a sweater, go put on your sweater. And so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like kind of how things were. And like, that was fine. And it was normal. And I, you know, there's 
lots of people that had more stuff around me and more luxuries and they could do the after school extracurriculum and sports teams and travel and their families went on vacations but like a lot of them were also dysfunctional you know they weren't necessarily in like a happy upbringing so like we were content and we had what we needed to survive like 99 percent of the meals i ate my mom cooked from scratch from basic ingredients like yeah, we weren't like going out to restaurants and the hot water tank was small enough that me being the last one out of bed, I had cold showers every day. <laughs> like just oh, to me it felt like a normal upbringing, but yeah. <laughs> it uh it wasn't a huge stretch to be living in a van, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. Um another aspect I guess about the the van life that we didn't touch on is um was there some sort of uh was there the want from you for sort of the adventure of that type of lifestyle as well like you know you you were trying not to pay somebody else's mortgage but you know it's also kind of an adventurous lifestyle living in a van was was that something that excited you at all getting into van life the idea of sleeping comfortably at a trailhead was appealing instead of like reclined in the driver's seat of the car type of thing but the extent of what i knew of van life at the time was pretty much just climbers and then they would go to like they would go south to climb in the winter so even that it wasn't as much like the whole thing of like oh i did fifty thousand miles my first year of van life this like bragging of how far you drove it was like it was just a way to be able to afford to climb more and not so much about the travel of living in a van itself. Um, so I knew that that was an aspect of it, but my first two years of living in a van, I didn't go anywhere. I still had a part-time job. I lived in the same town. I just got to spend more time parked out on the edge in nature. And it wasn't, um, yeah, it was a couple of years in before I even took my first trip to the U.S. So another quick interruption from the podcast. I just wanted to let you all know about a giveaway I'm running with the company High Boost for their cell signal booster antenna. And this is going to just be gifted to one of you. So you have to enter into that giveaway to be able to receive this item. It's it's uh, an $800 Canadian item. So it's an expensive item for your van build and it will help you be able to get signal when you're out in nature or just away from any good cell service. And you can be connected to internet through your cell service and be able to live that digital nomad life that a lot of van dwellers are interested in doing. So if that's for you, if you wanna win this, it's very simple. There's a lot of different ways you can enter and it's all through a link in the description for Gleam. So thanks everyone and back to today's episode. And so you've also, like I, I know that you've done some pretty epic hikes and I imagine sort of van life has been able to allow you to be able to do that as well to some degree, is that right? Yeah, cause I don't, um... It's easier to save up money when you're not paying rent. It's like a really obvious aspect of it. But then also, I don't have to give notice. I don't have to move out of a place. I don't have to find somewhere to store my stuff. I can just take my van, park it in my parents' yard, walk for six months, come back, and I have my home, my same home with everything where I left it. Left it and I don't have to pay 20% more in rent because I left a place and now prices have gone up so it makes it way easier to do that sort of thing if you have someone supportive that will store your van for you <laughs> yeah it does simplify things to sort of have this moving container that you can live in um yeah and and obviously it just sounds like living a you know living a more simple make living more simply makes your life more simple obviously yeah yeah but um on the on the driving over my eight years of van life i've averaged ten thousand kilometers a year which is half what the average canadian who lives in a home drives today is january 24th i have driven 230 kilometers this year 240 kilometers in three weeks <laughs> Okay, so you're you're sticking around Squamish then by the sounds of it. Uh for another week. Yeah. 
but gas is a dollar seventy a liter. You know, it's like I don't I don't need to drive everywhere to be happy. Yeah, fair enough. So, what do you do um, to make money then to support your lifestyle? Initially, I was working um, at a doggy daycare in town here. I did that for a while, along with odd jobs, and then I moved into foraging, mushroom picking, berry picking, and farm work. Um, and now I have YouTube. Nice. So just full-time YouTube. That's the that's the van dweller's dream, I think. That's what a lot of people aspire to do. Everybody I talk to wants to make money that way. Although I don't think, I don't even make enough on YouTube for most people's van payments. So it works because my budget is so low. My channel's not huge, but between YouTube and Patreon and just starting to work with sponsors i'm much more comfortable than i have been foraging and odd jobs yeah that's that's very cool hence the power system <laughs> so do you remember what initially inspired you to to get into the van life to begin with like um sort of where you got the idea from because eight years ago it was not very well known at all well i knew about it from climbers so it was a common thing for climbers to dirt bag like the goal, they were so, climbers are so obsessed with climbing that they will do anything to avoid working so they can just climb. So van life, um, and they weren't in big fancy sprinters with kitted out. They were in station wagons and cars and truck bed campers and minivans and like, like just jalopies, like just anything to be able to get by and get to the next climbing spot so they could climb is all they cared about. So that's the van life I was exposed to. But like I said, it wasn't the goal itself. I gave notice and I intended to live in a tent and somebody goes, here's a van. And so when that van died, I lived in a tent for about five months. I refused to go back to paying rent. So I lived in a tent for about five months and then I got a minivan and I lived in that minivan for more than two years until I upgraded to this, uh, you know, cargo van that I still can't even stand up in. And now I wouldn't be able to afford the van I have. It seems like van life was sort of like almost presented to you as an option as opposed to you kind of seeking it out. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it kind of just happened to me. And I rolled with it. And yeah, it works. What was kind of going through your mind? And I know this is eight years ago as well. But what was going through your mind that first time that you were sleeping in your van that you and moved into the van yeah so i had the van for close to a month while i still had the apartment like i'd given notice posted on facebook my intention of living in a tent the van was pretty much gifted to me instantly um so i started right away going and staying out in the van and at that time it was a lot easier so it wasn't like oh will i get a knock at the door will i get in trouble um, so I had a little bit of a transition period, but it didn't, it didn't seem really super exciting. I don't know. Like it just, uh, I, I was into the prospect of being by myself was a really nice part of it. But, and then I gave in the keys to my apartment and the three nights after turning in the keys, I lived in a mechanic's parking lot. <laughs> so <laughs> like um it wasn't easy like from the beginning it wasn't easy that van didn't have heat it didn't have water I had no idea what I was doing it was winter so anyone who lived in a vehicle had mostly gone south at that point I just had to figure it out like yeah but I wasn't I wasn't going on an adventure and I also had no there was no van life on social media so I didn't have some fantasy in my mind of what it would be like and what I was about to have it was just like all right well now i'm homeless it was that was more the thought than like yay i'm doing van life finally this dream it was never a dream so the perception to me is like oh, okay like i'm homeless and it's cold and life is hard and you're gonna figure this out but once summer comes everything will be easier it will be nice you know i won't be crushed by the reality if i move in and if i if i had started in summer and then winter comes that can be a deal breaker for a lot of people yeah, by the time summer came, I was like, oh, this is easy. Oh, I guess I'm living in a tent. <laughs> so you went through the hard part of the year first to kind of just just hammer it out and get through it. And then it was easier from there. 
yeah, I just wasn't willing to keep doing the rent thing. Like I wa- was not willing to even wait like four more months until the weather turned around. Like I, I'd had enough. That's very interesting. Um, do you ever, I mean, it's been eight years in the van and um, I'm just wondering if you find that this lifestyle is lonely at times at all. A big appeal to choosing this is that I would be able to be alone and to be able to work on my own issues of which there were many. (laughs) Um, So not having the distractions of like being plugged in to like a house and being in town, I would like, I would intentionally drive out of cell phone service. I would have no connection to the world and I would park out of cell phone service every night and no power system, no distractions. So it wasn't so much that it was lonely, it was that it was very, very, very difficult because for years I basically forced myself to like face my demons and face my issues and be stuck with myself. Like there's the saying like, wherever you go, there you are. But people are really, really good, whether they realize it or not, of not going full, fully into that there you are. Like, they they put up blinders they you know they they yeah so i just it was just full raw yeah personal journey and healing and so now i don't really get lonely i've gotten over and worked through all the kind of self pity of like oh why does no one want to be with me that then led to feeling lonely so because i'm so content on my own i don't really feel loneliness at all um yeah so but it was a long journey. <laughs> you you mentioned one thing there that seems very transformative, seems like something that you've actually really learned from living in a van. And I'm curious if there's any other things that you've, that you feel like you've learned because specifically because of living in a van. I've learned I'm very particular about where everything goes, even though it might look like chaos to somebody else. If somebody comes into my van to spend a few days with me in my van, they drive me insane. Like, I just, I cannot stand somebody in my personal bubble in that way. And I didn't really realize before that I was so much like that. And I'm not sure if it's van life showing me that or van life bringing that out in me because of all the time I've spent alone. But I do a lot better as a human, um, not living on a clock. So van life has made that very clear, like that I can handle maybe every couple weeks, something having to happen at a particular time. And other than that, like it will slowly lead to like a massive crumbling of myself and my health in all aspects. If I'm always bound to a clock and especially if the clock is, set by somebody else like you have to be here at this time and at this time and I can't do that I don't do well under those conditions I've learned I'm like the houseplant meme you know how plants just like thrive in the wild under like all these crazy conditions and they just die in a house like I am that plant and before having all this time to work on myself that wasn't so clear I was just like, oh, we live in a house. This is what you do. This is a normal way of life. Everyone else lives this way. They're doing okay with it. Therefore, something's wrong with me. And I need to change that to make this work for me. When in reality, like putting me in a different environment just like made everything so much easier for me to like exist and to be able to thrive and stuff. You know, so it's sort of almost a cliche, um, or maybe it's just a commonality that everybody I talk to that's interested in van life, they say sort of the main reason they're in into it is just for the freedom of the lifestyle. And it sounds like, in a sense, that you have achieved some sort of personal freedom from living this way, where you are in sort of control of your space, as opposed to living with roommates like you were. And um, it just seems like, yeah, that that freedom is pretty impactful for you as well. Yeah. I feel like it would be for anyone if they got a real clear sense of it, if they had a clear experience of what it's like to live the way that is best for you as a unique being. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. 
Um, so what are some of your personal beliefs that, that help bring you up when you're feeling low? Uh, this too shall pass, <laughs> right? Impermanence. Nothing is forever. No matter how good something is, it will come to an end. No matter how horrible it is, it will come to an end. And it's also probably not personal. Like, it just snowed here for like a month and driving was hell. And I was so stressed out and just like, there was nowhere to park. I couldn't get out of town. I was like trapped by the snow. And I had to keep reminding myself that like, it's not personal. And everyone's having a hard time with this right now. And it will melt and life will get easier again. And so it's just like, just embrace it. Hang out in bed, get some takeout, have a few extra beers, whatever. Just like ride the time out, you know, just you can't control it. So, yeah, I've learned to relinquish a lot of control, which is an interesting to say shortly after, like, I don't like people in my space, <laughs> like moving things about. But yeah, there's like things. I feel comfortable trying to control and then other things that are just futile, just absolutely futile. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, you can control what's personally around you, but you can't control the weather and, and knowing the difference of what you can and can't control is going to alleviate a lot of stress in your mind because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's trying to control something you have nothing to no control over. That's, that's agonizing for sure. So I generally, I follow like a Buddhist principles in life and, have mostly my whole life without really realizing what was happening but yeah that's kind of where my spiritual values align and I don't think rules are necessary if people understand the value of morality so that also guides what I do quite a bit is what energetically feels best for me and then what on my deathbed because i will die someday <laughs> and i live every day accepting that fact like when that time comes how will living now create ease in that moment and not agitation that's interesting that's awesome i'm curious what your most memorable van life experiences have been and maybe just some interesting stories that you've had uh some things have that you've had happen to you while living in a van Oh, that's such a big question with so much time. Oh, a lot of the memories that really, there's one memory in particular that really, really sticks out. And I was about three years into maybe van life. I was living in the minivan and I was down in Flagstaff, Arizona, outside Flagstaff. And I had never gone that far away from like Southwest BC especially outside of Canada, like driving, like I just, I got there and I had this moment where I was like, what have I done? Like, why have I gone this far from everything I know? And I just, I just hated it. I was like, this is the worst idea. I remember drop kicking my van, ending up laid out in the mud because of it and just like crying and drama. And it was like this super emotional time, but like, it's always like that memory has always just remained so strong in my mind. And like, I can't like, it's just like this feeling just kind of came out of nowhere. I was just like, what have I done? Like, what am I doing with my life? And like, you know, got drunk, cried for the night, woke up the next day and like, everything was fine. And like, I didn't go and quit van life, you know, or whatever. So that one's always really stuck out as like something, a moment that existed that was induced by van life. Um, and then it's it's a lot of it's a, a lot of the more memorable things are like you're driving your home in a vehicle and I'm not the most conservative when it comes to back roading and it's a two-wheel drive. So a lot of the <laughs> moments that really stand out are where I'm I'm scaring myself with my decisions and I'm getting stuck or I'm like I don't want to be here there's nowhere to turn around I have to back 2 kilometers down this steep road with loose rocks and cliffs on the side and it's just like so intense and so fully in the moment like nothing else exists in the entire world but like just getting you and your home out of there um so like those types of things really stick out a lot more than like 
the specific places I've gone or the memories like I've come to learn that like everywhere is really beautiful almost every time of year if you know how to look at it if you know how to appreciate what's happening in the natural world around you I don't travel to towns and cities and museums and I don't care about you know going and eating out and going to cafes and doing all that kind of urban stuff so it's I notice a lot of people get really obsessed with a particular environment, which is fine if that's what they're super attracted to, but I don't feel like I need to go somewhere that's Instagram worthy to have the full value experience of being with nature. So it, they, those, so because of that, there's not a lot of like sharp memories of places I go because like, I'm just content existing. Nice. That's very cool. Have you ever gotten the knock before? Ah, I have gotten two knocks. <laughs> two knocks in eight years is, is not bad. The first one, I was parked um, down the street here in Squamish, and there was a mishap with my driver's license saying that because they made me give an address I didn't live at, I didn't get the paperwork to do my medical because I had a higher class license for transporting people. So I didn't do the medical, my license was revoked, my insurance was revoked, the police just happened to drive by and scan my plate and saw that I don't have insurance or a driver's license. They had no idea I lived in the van. It was not, I was just sitting there using the library's Wi-Fi. So that situation sorted itself out. They're like, yeah, you can spend the night here, go get your license reinstated tomorrow, just downgrade me. So it was fine. Like it had really nothing to do with actually living in a van. It was just like a weird situation. I guess it wouldn't have happened if I lived in a house because I would have had an actual address. But, And then the second knock was just over two years ago. And I was just in Idaho, just across the Washington border um, in this, uh, it's kind of like suburb area, like a little bit like well-to-do. And there was this pullout that no house could see the pullout from the houses. And I had parked and I was sitting in the driver's seat still. I hadn't even gone to the back or gotten out. And somebody come in behind me and I got a weird feeling and I was like, whatever. I guess they had gotten sketched out. There's this like big, crappy looking, rusty white van in their nice neighborhood. They called the cops. Five minutes later, the cop shows up. And, you know, we just had a conversation. He was a small town guy. He's like, yeah, we don't even have traffic lights where I grew up. And he's like, I don't know of any rule that says you can't sleep here. I'll tell everyone to leave you alone. And it was fine. And he was like, I'm sorry about this. People are a little weird around here. <laughs> so I've, I've never actually gotten in trouble or been told to move along, like ever. <laughs> so you're going to have to use your imagination for this next question. Uh... And, you know, it's it's always hard to predict, but where do you think you would be if you hadn't gotten into van life? I think the hustle to live up to society's standards would have been the end of me. Yeah. So I don't think I would necessarily be here, <laughs> which is a really heavy answer, but... Uh, needing to look after our mental health was a big motivating factor to stop supporting these things I didn't believe in and built to start giving myself the space to like do the healing I needed to do. I had gone through some pretty dark times my last year living in a house. It, yeah. So do you think you'll like, do you think you'll get back into a house eventually, even, even though you've had that experience? Mm. I think it would have to be very conditional. I would love to not be stuck on a road all the time. I'd love to be able to get away from the road. I would love to be able to grow my own food. I would love to like not have to drive when it snows, like would be so nice. So there's there's things I that I find really appealing to like living in a house or tiny living. Um or maybe like a hobbit hole, I find very attractive the idea of living in the ground. But it would have to be like a situation where I wasn't financially crippled to do it, or it wasn't causing housing to get more expensive for everyone else by like 
becoming part of that rat race. So there's been times where I've worked on farms and I stay parked for weeks or months at a time, which is really nice. Um, and in those situations, it'd obviously be a lot nicer just to be in like a little home than in a van if you're not driving anywhere anyways. Um, but so far, there's nothing about house living I want bad enough to set all the wheels in motion to make that change happen, especially all by myself, because I've learned living in a van that it's a lot of work to maintain your vehicle and the home aspect of your van and like a building, a home as a building is like just a lot more work you know so yeah it's constant projects um but i have always considered the idea of squatting getting a chainsaw and building myself a shelter somewhere in the woods and doing it illegally as if it's not my like god-given right to exist but i don't know <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Um, I'd love to hear your opinion on sort of the realities of van life versus sort of the social media portrayed van life that we're that we see, you know, the hashtag van life. Um, maybe, yeah, just tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the difference between the reality versus the Instagram van life. So in the reality of van life, the people I meet, the people I encounter are not that clean. <laughs> They're not as clean as hashtag van life. They're not as like perfectly well put together. They're way more eclectic, like way, like just some of the most unique beings I've met, like so much character. They're not just like some monoculture of people with money and these identical looking vans. Um, and a lot of the people I've met over the years that live in vans that they're most of them aren't first of all aren't on social media they don't partake in that so that's part of why who they are and how they live isn't shown but for the most part they're very fringe people a lot of them deal with mental illness like i do and cannot comply with society's standards it does not work to their benefit um or they're just like yeah really really unique characters um, and so I hope that people that are getting into van life because of what they saw on social media end up getting to meet some of these people because they're out there and they're the people that have always been doing this, like long before I was doing this, like, like a long time, people have lived in vehicles, lived in vans, you know, and they've always been really unique people as kind of like the standard. So it's kind of almost like the mainstream rise of van life has also gentrified it that that's it's so interesting because yeah i always think like oh the algorithm plays to certain certain types of images and certain types of van life experiences kind of rising to the the forefront of what people see but it's also like you said just the fact that a lot of people that live this lifestyle don't participate in the social media aspect of it so that it's just not seen that 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 type of life just isn't seen there and they're not they're not as aesthetically perfect as you know or they're not morally willing to sell any product somebody will give them money to sell to grow their following and then i think what also a lot of people don't realize when they're living in a house and seeing the van life dream online is they don't realize that a lot of those people are not full-time van lifers. They have a condo, they go on weekends, they do a photo shoot, they go on a road trip for a few months. They are road tripping. They are not van lifing. They're doing van life. They're actually on a road trip. And it's, it's completely different when you have no other option and no way out. When you can't just afford to get an Airbnb for a week because van life got difficult. When you have to deal with every challenge that comes your way, it's a completely different world of van life. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's, it's very interesting talking to you um, because you're more on the side of living in a van out of necessity than most people that I get to talk to because honestly, a lot of them, a lot of like, it, it's again, the same thing. It's a lot of people living out of necessity aren't interested in portraying their life through me, through talking to me, through sharing their a van tour with me. Um, I get to talk to them when I meet them or when I 
you know, message a little bit, emailing maybe through through contacting through somebody else or a referral or something. But uh, it's very rare that someone that's living it out of necessity really mm-hmm. wants to share with me all that much. Yeah. So I picked up my first camera when I was about four or five. So I've been a photographer my whole life and I've always had the desire to share photos and share stories. Um, And if people don't know a different way of life exists and that it can be more fulfilling, that being less comfortable can lead to greater contentment, they'll never set a foot on that path. So it does no one, including myself, any good to just be above it all and turn off social media and not participate especially when I have that inherent drive to share stories like of my own experience, not telling people what to do or how to do, but this is my experience. And if that's a seed that plants in your head and leads you to something greater in life, then that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and that's something I, I also believe that, you know, everybody has, everybody has value of course, and everybody has the ability or they have something to share that could benefit other people um, just by them being themselves, right? And uh, it's funny, you know, I feel like you, um, what did you just say there? You said something about like not telling people what to do. But (laughs) my next question is, do you have any advice for anybody that is actually interested in doing van life? Yeah, do the van life that appeals to you. Don't model after someone else. Follow your heart. Like it's if you're into the freedom of van life, take the freedom to do it the way that works for you. There's no freedom in doing what everybody else is doing. You're just going to end up disappointed because so much is hidden from you to make that dream look appealing because it sells product. Follow your heart. Don't expect it to be an income. Don't expect to get into van life. You know, I see these people, they have a brand before they've even spent a night in their van. And it's like the whole thing is this career goal. And there's also no freedom in that because people don't realize how much work and time it takes to earn an income through social media, especially to do it like with integrity. So yeah, just if you want to get into van life, it can be as expensive or as low budget as you're willing to endure what, like what comes with that. Like if you don't have the money to spend on heat and you're willing to endure being cold, then that's no longer a barrier. Then like the financial cost of heat's no longer a barrier. So the more you're willing to endure, the more the cost comes down. And you can change in time. Like you don't have to start with the end point. Yeah. I, I would I would even say it's better not to because like you said, uh, the reality is hidden from you and the end point that you might try to make, that you might try to start with is going to be wrong. It's going to be wrong for you. It's There's going to be things you're going to yes. want to change. There's going to be money spent that could have been not spent (laughs) the technology like when i started chinese diesel heaters i don't think existed you couldn't just have heat for 300 dollars. yeah it's changed the game they've really changed the game and even just like the money i spent on a battery well that battery is way better than a battery i would have bought eight years ago and way better suited to a cold climate like now i can buy a battery that i can use in minus 20 and charge my laptop like that was not a thing eight years ago i would have paid so much more for less back then yeah totally yeah i waited until the need arose and now that i'm making videos the need for more power has arose and so there is more power (laughs) or will be (laughs) yeah yeah that's awesome so what's next for you amanda well i'm gonna leave squamish in about a week i'm gonna tootle about the gulf islands and vancouver island and that's i don't know (laughs) that's about it as far as I've got. So I'm just cruising and going where I feel like going, which isn't very far. And I don't know, make some videos, hang out. I'm looking to be less busy than I have been. <laughs> yeah. Like sit, sit by a river, set up my hammock. I don't know. Yeah. 
That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, if you're around on the West Coast in a couple of months, uh, me and Emily will be heading over there in our in our camper to visit some family. Maybe we could link up and do another van tour or something. That would be awesome. Yeah, I would love that. All right. Well, let everybody know where they could follow you and uh, and yeah, just your social medias and of course your your new YouTube channel or slightly new YouTube channel. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm a I'm about eight months in on that, so. Uh, it's Tideline to Alpine, so Tideline like at the ocean, uh, T-O Alpine, all one word, um, and that's on YouTube, Instagram, and I have a website. Yeah, but my primary platforms are YouTube and Instagram and I guess Patreon as well, so I have a good community growing there. Nice. All right. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to talk to me. Yeah, that was great. Thanks for having me. Good, uh, good questions. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it was an extremely insightful one. I enjoyed talking to Amanda so much. Uh, very, very intelligent person and doing van life for all the right reasons, which are her own personal reasons. That is the reason to do it. And uh, if you are you know, if you listen this far and watch this far into this podcast, you're obviously interested in van life. And I really encourage you at this point to join my van life enthusiast community on Discord. First month is totally free. You can cancel anytime. There's no risk. And uh, there's a lot going on in that community. We're talking about different builds. You know, people are sharing pictures of their builds and I'm walking them through what products to use, what you know how to design it a little bit and just guiding and and sharing all the information that i have received over the many years of doing van life of talking to van dwellers uh van builders um all sorts of stuff and and i you know i'm able to just genuinely help these people and help you save time by not having to do research and save money by not making costly mistakes those are the two big reasons to join this van life community as well as of course just having a sense of community it's very nice to talk to other van dwellers other people interested in van life let's all get together in that discord and chat it out so thanks everyone and uh we'll see you there thanks for listening to the podcast every every thursday we release a new podcast every monday we try to get a van tour out there if we have one so stay tuned to the channel subscribe subscribe on the audio podcast platforms if you haven't already and let's make this all happen with your help and just build it up and make it grow and turn it into something bigger than it currently is so thanks everyone and bye for now